This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And your time. Put all my hands together. Yeah, ha, yeah, ha. This is what I'm talking about, y'all. It's hip hop. It's hip hop. It's hip hop. The stories of hip-hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who inside of them the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. You know, my name is Freddie O, so... This is how I look without makeup. The masterpiece. Whew, I don't even know if I could just call it a song. It's like my biography, Erica Badu Clever. C-L-E-V-A. One of my favorite albums <laughs> of all time. I remember my mom having this album and uh, she never really listened to it. I mean, she did, but it was just like in her pile of millions of CDs. And then my sister would steal it and listen to it at night. So I remember living on 114th in Roseland. I don't, I don't even remember the street, but uh, yeah, Roseland, where there's so much going on over there. And me and my sister, we shared the same room. So whatever she listened to, I had to listen to. So she would listen to this song over and over again while I was playing with my Barbie dolls. Now, this is actually the first time I realized I had power. And it's, it's crazy to explain. I feel like I was seven years old. I'm just going to say seven. I just, I just feel like I was seven years old playing with my Barbies and thinking like, is that me that she's talking about? Why do I feel like she's talking about me? And I instantly internalized the song and saw a type of beauty in myself. Now, that was back then. And also in class, like when I was really young, I was that really pretty girl that was always clean. Mama always did my hair. Like we didn't have much. Our gas would go off and my mama would be washing my clothes, you know, in the sink and hanging them up like, just because we poor, we don't have to act like it. So I remember always being just clean and gentle, but I was always being picked on in school. Okay, so that, that, caused, that caused a type of, of fear within me when it comes to meeting new people and when it comes to just being myself because I felt like, why are these people picking on me? For what? You know, I'm just being myself. And, you know, I kind of grew into that feeling of, this is awkward being around new people. I don't know what they're thinking about me, okay. you know? Seven years old, so all I can remember is feeling some type of internal beauty within myself. When I heard the song, I just felt like Erica Badu was talking to me. And I felt like it was, it was leading to something. So I was still listening to this song. I, I still listen to this song all the time. Now, I'm an MC. I have no choice but to make music, right? And so still listening to this song today, it just make me feel like I'm clever, you know, like when I bust around, cause I'm so socially awkward sometimes. I'm so klutz or too bubbly, whatever. I'm, I'm crazy, y'all. But when I bust around, 
all that stuff that everybody had to say about me, all those people that were my enemy, I bring them together. I bring I bring the enemies and and the, the friends. I bring the really fat, chubby girl that never get talked to, plus the super popular girl. I bring all of those people together when I rhyme. So I'm clever. Like I might not have the best clothes, but I could still lean on these rhymes, you feel me? So I could come in the room with a $7 dress on. I could come in the room with all, all these external ass things that y'all think, you know, we need. And when I bust a rhyme, look at how I bring y'all together. Now it's one, it's one part of that song that is the most important to me. It's when she says, I'm clever when I bust a rhyme. I'm clever, always on your mind. She's clever and I really wanna grow, but why come I'm the last to know? So it, it also brings about this feeling where I have this power and I have these rhymes. I somewhat believe in how far it can take me, but the only confirmation that I ever had that I was amazing was crowd reaction. And because of this feeling, this vacant feeling that I've been feeling since I was young of fear of how what people think about me, always wanting to be, you know, right. People would come up to me like, in all like open mic shows, you're so amazing, oh my God. And I would really be just trying to believe them. Like, thank you, but I'm really hiding behind my rhymes and, and how am I the last one to know that I'm so clever? How am I the last one to know? So my hair may not grow. Shit, I may not get on. I may not have a million fucking dollars. I might not start the revolution that I always dreamed of happening in America, but I'm still clever and God still blessed me with these rhymes, you know? Internal, internal power. Power over the lower part of yourself that can really take over and you, you just be out here. So when I mean, I, what I mean by power, I mean being a vessel for God and really in being a vessel, using the tools that you have around you to make change, to bring people together. Now you said the, the whole clever, you write about that, like clever does not mean smart, oh, book smart. Cause a lot of us dumb in that area. I got a 15 on my ACT, <laughs> you know? But I was, I was really using my intuition when I was young. It's all about intuition, really, when I think of, think of clever, because even with my rhymes, I don't know what I'm gonna say. And a lot of the times, I don't know what I'm talking about until I'm done. And then sometimes I'll be talking about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And then it'll happen. And then my rhymes will teach me a lesson. Then I'll be like, damn, I already figured out this problem in my life. Let me just go back to the rhymes. Like for instance, when I was young and I, I haven't really told anybody this. I don't know why I feel the need to say it, but I do. I remember the same house where I discovered the song, being on the porch, playing with my Barbie dolls. No, I'm just chilling. For some reason that day, nobody, nobody was on the block. It was just me. It was like, this is the hood. People always on the block, making money, whatever, being ratchet, all that. 
but nobody was on the block this day. And I was just playing with my Barbie dolls. Then a car pulled up. It was a white, what type of, I don't even know the name of the car, but it was like a, a white, long Buick type of car. And um, they pulled up and there was four dudes in the inside. Now, the energy that came with them, it scared me. They wasn't looking at me. They literally just pulled up and I'm sitting there like, I look at them, yeah, start playing with my Barbie dolls again. Then all of a sudden I look up again and I hear a voice that tells me to go in the house right now. I love, look, this is my favorite Barbie car. These are my two favorite Barbie dolls. Like I never go nowhere without these. I dropped them like this and ran into the house. Now the apartment was kind of like, a, anybody could walk through the lobby door. Anybody could walk through that. And it wasn't a lobby. So think of it like an apartment where you could just easily walk in and then go up the stairs to the apartment. Uh, no, no doorman, no security, nothing like that, really small. I just start running up the stairs. Don't look back, run, run, run. Go up in my room, look down, look down into out of the window. And I see these same men coming out of my apartment and they saying, I don't see her. I don't know where she went, she gone. They was gonna kidnap me right then and there. But I, I specifically heard a voice. It wasn't like, I said, maybe I should go in. No, I heard a voice that told me to go in the house. And then I looked deeper into their car, like through the window, I was just looking. They had knives and plastic. Plastic and like big things, like the thick plastic, you know? And then like knives. And that's, that's what I mean by clever. Like I've been using my intuition and it's been leading me since I can remember. Since I can remember, it's a role and it's a choice. If I don't make it with these rhymes, I still have a duty to create. I don't, I'm still trying to figure it out, you know? <laughs>
and I was so fucking scared. I'm like, oh my God, hell, people go to hell. And I'm just like, please don't let this be true. I came to my grandma like, grandma, please tell me hell is not real. And she was like, it is, baby. <laughs> you know how grandmas talk. It is, baby. Hell and heaven, heaven is real. Hell is real. If you do good, you go to heaven. If you do bad, you go to hell. But uh, I was raised as a Christian. I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian. Just off the simple fact that I have a responsibility towards my culture, towards where I, where I originate, which is not America, and knowing all of the, the pain and suffering that my ancestors went through specifically, how degrading it would be for me. I'm not pushing that on nobody else, but how degrading that would be for me to practice a religion that literally separated me from who I am. And in this very moment, I'm still like scrounging around trying to find out pieces and bits of my history <laughs> because it was taken from me. So I do practice a religion, it's called Ifa. Is basically from West Africa, you know, Nigeria. That's from Nigeria. And uh, I have a Baba, and he talks to me a lot about like different stories and like, you know, like different things. I just get into it. It's really about worship, not just being, oh, I'm having all these problems, let me pray to God. It's about work. Like, worship is work. It's, it's work that you have to do every day, you know, in order to really be a vessel because there's so much like ignorance and distractions and stuff outside trying to literally taint and disrupt who you really are. So I'm in the process of, of finding that, honestly, still finding that for myself, but I'm not a Christian, no. no. My entire family is Christian, but I just have a problem with it because I just feel like, okay, if the system is in place to destroy us and they gave us this religion, what makes me feel like this is something safe for me? I'm just saying like, if my ancestors weren't enslaved and brought to America, then who would I be right now? Where would I be? How would I be living? What would I be eating? How would my hair look? How would I dress? When will I have children? What is what is a job? What about creativity? What about dancing to invoke the spirit? What I could <laughs> The only reason why I'm out of it is because of my rhymes. Once again, it always comes back to my rhymes because I feel like I'm a messenger. My rhymes tell me things that I have to listen to. So I'm like, all right. I just question Christianity in this in this in this poem right here. So what am I gonna do now? It dares me to ask more questions about my history. Nah, nah. Second childhood. First off, they can kill us. They can shoot us. They can tell us we ain't shit. They tell us we ain't gonna be nothing, never was nothing called. Say we derive from fucking monkeys. <laughs> Apes and shit. They can, they can completely degrade our very existence, okay? In this very time. But our women will rebirth 
the warrior. They will be rebirthed. <laughs> you understand? Like, you're not going to really kill us. You ain't. You're not really killing us. You're killing yourself. Your second childhood. Ooh. I got to take of <laughs> Just thinking about uh, the neglect that some black people, us, me, have when it comes to giving up certain unhealthy habits, things that we specifically went through, okay, that our ancestors went through, and they, they trying to live through us. There's so much pain and hurt in that itself. We're trying to live and succeed in a white world, okay, where we are surrounded by violence, so we think violently, so we kill each other. So that was the plan. So I need a drug because I hate myself. Like, <laughs> like I have a baby because I want to procreate, but I don't really know how to take care of it because from generation to generation to generations before, didn't know how. So here I am trying to figure it out, but can't and stuck and how hard is it to really get through a fucking habit how, how how hard is it to really let go of something that you thought was true for so long and then it proved to be the very thing to destroy you i feel like one you in your second you in your second childhood like you uh you damn near gotta be rebirthed again to try this shit out again god is always talking to you through all this destruction Always, always, it's always some type of good that come from this destruction. And when you cannot hear it, your soul is not at ease. And I feel like you gotta come back and do it again. I think that that is it. It's a lot of pain and suffering, like I said, that we go through. So I, I feel like he thinking about the ghetto. He thinking about the people that he been grew up with. People that stuck, stuck and stagnant through a system that ain't made to lift them up. I feel like he kind of put some of the blame, some of the blame on them. Like, like you 31 and can't give your youth up. You know, you in your second childhood. You are reduced to a level that is so like stagnant. I keep saying the word like that's so like stagnant and like hurtful for yourself. You know, you going through that and you need to learn your lesson. Either you're going to learn your lesson and, you know, ascend, actually have peace or you're going to keep on going through the same stuff. God give us so many signals, so many signs as to what we should do. Sometimes I'm hard-headed. The one reason why I um, identify with this this song so much is because, you know, my name is Freddie O, so, you know, I feel like I've been here so many times. I feel like I'm an old soul, but I have this really young spirit. It's really uh, goofy, always laughing, always being crazy. 
<laughs> you know, spirit of, about me. It kind of go together. I like it, you know? Like, I feel like I've been here before, but then I also feel like I have enough energy in me to, to keep my youth, but in a way that actually works for me to grow. So in this song, I feel like these people that he's talking about are reluctant or, or it's too hard for them to give up the very things that destroy them. And for that, you bring your second childhood. Shorty, they call her the brain surgeon. Time flying, she the same person, never matures. All her friends married, doing well. She's in the streets, yakety yakking like she was 12. Honey is 27, argues, fights, selfish in her own right for life. Guess she's in her second childhood. I feel like, I feel like Nas had to say something about himself first off before he go talking about anybody else. Who you talk about anybody else before you talk about yourself? But I think that Nas prevailed though. He prevailed out of that struggle and he actually used that pain to produce something positive, which is actually the mission of my people, I feel. And I love him for that. I love him for, for bringing up his story and then relating it with everybody else's. Cause we need to get on our shit. We really do, it's, it's so many things out here. Man, but I love it. I love this song, I love the beat. That soulfulness in it, I'm, I'm sample crazy. So with that, that brings me back in itself, you know? And to say something more positive about second childhood, because I feel like that is definitely needed. Like, I am not about to conform so heavy to this world that I do not know how to bring out the child in me. I'm in a situation right now, like, I go to work every fucking day, but I'm an artist. And so I feel like the more that I go to work, it's like, uh, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. So I could go home and just like be who I really am, you know? And then I get a chance to do that when I go home, but it's it's harder. It's harder when you got like one foot in the system and you're doing things the way everybody else do, but then you got another foot into your art and you really just trying to like, you're not trying to have it to merge, but you you right here for a safety zone, but then you right here because you know it's your destiny. And being over here in this uh, in this capitalistic world, it, it just make you feel old when you ain't even old. Like, but it's about your thoughts. It's about your mind and how you how you are taking everything in. And I feel like I feel like Nas damn near mastered that. He kept that kid in him. That child, I say child, my girlfriend killed me. She hurt his kid. You know, I feel like he, uh, he mastered that. That's what I'm trying to do, honestly. I'm trying to stay who I am no matter what in the world that's telling me to be something. You thinking he can give you wealth, but so young boys, you can use a lot of help, you know. You thinking life's all about smoking weed and ice. You don't want to be my agent, can't read and write. All right, so I got a home name, Fleetwood Jones. And before this, I, I've never really listened to Nas, right? Okay, smack me. I'm a MC. <laughs> But I didn't, I didn't used to listen to Nas like that. I was a Jay-Z fan, right? And look, it's crazy because I was fighting between picking this song or a Jay-Z lost one, cause that's my shit. But uh, nah, this song is more personal for me. So my friend Fleetwood Jones, and I was in college. 
2013, 2013. And he was like, yo, you need to listen to Nas, Nas. So I just went on the computer just listening to his music. And then I heard this and I'm like, what? This is so dope. This is something I need to be a, it, it was kind of like a warning for me too. Like, be careful, you out here and you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to do something for yourself. yourself. Don't be stagnant. Don't be like those people that Nas was just talking about. You know, get up off your ass. It takes so much energy to get up and do what you gotta do. It just had me reminisce. It, it, it makes me reminisce about my childhood and where I was, even though I heard it in 2013. So. But it don't, don't in a way when you like state the problem, you're actually alleviating it. You almost feel like, okay, you know when you got like secrets in your closet, right? And you damn near probably got like, I don't want to say like, like just bad spirits like just hover over you or that, that one thing that you didn't tell nobody that you was doing. You got that over you and it's kind of restricting you, right? In certain areas like, oh, I can't go here because I lied about this type thing. But the minute you admit admit it, how no matter how ugly it is, no matter how beautiful, like it literally dissipates the fear and the harness on you that got you like so stuck. There is a freedom in that, and I feel like Nas was uh was doing that. I feel like he was exposing things and literally freeing people because think about the people that actually like went through those exact situations that he was just talking about and then they heard the song. They damn they got free right after they heard that, you know? It's a beauty in stating the ugly. That's why I make sure I do it at all times in my rhymes. That's why when I was young, I was coming up to my mom like saying the most destructive things that was on my mind because I was alleviating them. I was letting it all go. Uh, I remember in high school, Okay, so it was this talent show that I was a part of, and I had this poem. It, it was called, I Always Wondered. And this poem was the most controversial poem in my entire high school. It caused the uproar within the students, the teachers, and the principal. And it was a talent show coming up, and I created it for a talent show. And you know, you gotta go to talent show practice to say or do whatever you was gonna do before you actually do it in front of everybody. And I said the poem and I had the entire room like stuck and they was like, oh my God, did she just say that her Barbies were fucking each other when she was young? Did she just say that she would rock Jabos and K-Swiss and dare anybody in the room to fix their mouth to try to say some shit? Did she, did she just say those, those very things? Like, I wonder why I wasn't as thick as these high school forever 21 chicks or why my hips weren't this big as my tits. Did she just say that shit? <laughs> like, and uh, it caused the uproar. It was my flaws. Like, I put my flaws out in the open. Like, if I felt like I wasn't shit, I wrote it in that poem, you know? And uh, they sent me to the principal office. I had to say it to the principal. She was like, oh no, you can't say this poem in front of everybody. 
I knew I was gonna win first place with that poem, man. But uh, it was a beauty. It was a beauty in that poem that people were so afraid to hear. When I got on stage, something in me wanted to just say fuck it and just say the poem. But I ended up saying this other poem, man. I kind of, I don't regret it. But if I was me now, I would have just said my shit anyway. But I ended up winning first place. <laughs> I still ended up winning first. And I won $50. Like, when did I ever have $50 in high school? But when I won a fucking talent show. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a beauty in saying that's why, that's why I fuck with Nas, cause uh, he says it in a way that is so daring. It, it make people want to get up. Yeah, that high school was crazy. Oh yeah, I was on the portrait team, LTAB. I did LTAB, that's when I met Kevin Cope. That's my homie, shout out Kevin Cope. <laughs> Yeah, that, that put me in a great space. Like, I was damn near one of the dopest on the team. I was getting the 10s, you know? That's when I first started performing. Yeah, I started doing L-Tab, and then I started looking outside, like, of L-Tab into the Chicago scene of poetry. Uh, every Wednesday after school, I would go to Umedia with Brother Mike. Rest in peace to Brother Mike. It was me, AJ, Peace, Chance, um, Joey Perk. Uh, Roy French, it was Malcolm London, everybody. John Doe, No Name Gypsy. Well, I knew her as Fatima. Everybody was in there. That was a time for me when I really woke up. Like, Brother Mike would say, power to the people. And we would raise our fists and say, right on. Like, all of us. And that was when I first started ciphering, too. Chance was always thirsty to cipher. Like, <laughs> you know, he'd instantly kick it off. And I remember, like, being in the rain to the point where it's pouring raining. And me, Chance, all my friends, all of us. Just freestyling, just freestyling on the corner, you know, on Jackson. So, and then I would go to school and, and then that's when I started getting loud. So I stopped hanging with fake popular people because I realized that that would get me nowhere. <laughs> and I started hanging around like people that were cool, but they didn't have to yell and say they were cool. Uh, they also wasn't no lames either. Like you can't just try to like, punk me, I'ma beat your ass type thing. Like, that was, that was really my crowd. And then one year, one year in high school, I got third period lunch. Third period lunch is like breakfast. So at first I was like really pissed that I had third period lunch. Like, why am I in third period lunch? I'm gonna be hungry as hell by eighth period. But for some reason, every rapper that was in Morgan Park High School, I mean, every single rapper had third period lunch. If you was a real MC in Morgan Park, you had third period lunch that year. And it was crazy how we all just like vibrate towards each other. We just got straight to each other. And at first I was sitting with all my other friends, but then we created a rapping table. We created a table literally so that we could just take off with our rhymes and we would freestyle all throughout lunch. And we would bang on the tables until our hands were swollen. I remember my hands being completely swollen. And like, even while it's swollen, I'm still banging, you know? Like, and we just rapping, we just, that's all I ever had.
to the gas station. Presidential presence, barrels of blessings. Life's lessons, why you over there stressing? Then the tragedy happened in high school when I was about to uh, graduate. And by this time, I have been known for my rhyme because I was winning talent shows. I was doing L-Tab. And yeah, I was freestyling all day, every day. Everybody knew I rap. Freddie rap. Let's go to open mic on Wednesdays. But uh, something really tragic happened at Morgan Park High School in 2011 uh, to a, a close friend. She was my best friend in, uh, in freshman year high school, which I migrated away from because me and her actually had gotten to a brawl, a fight, a real fight, you know? But by senior year, we were pretty cool and there wasn't no hard feelings against each other. She had died. She, she got murdered by her boyfriend, you know, like stabbed like 30 times. And um, so did her mom. And so did her little sister. Wow. All in one night over over love. You know, it's crazy what people do over love. But um, that had happened. And so I remember everybody in the school crying, running around, crying. Like, I was crying. I walked in school. The whole vibe was different. And I'm like, what's wrong? People screaming. I'm getting chills right now. It was really hard. It was really hard. And uh, I remember them like bringing us into an auditorium for this. They set us in the auditorium. Everybody could not believe it. And um, they asked if anybody wanted to say words, if anybody had anything to say. And for a minute, nobody said nothing. Okay? Like, people didn't, they just looked at each other like, what is there to say? And me out of all people stood up and was like, I'll say something. And I just spit my heart out, you know, like in front of everybody. And I I remember just like telling everybody that like you see, you see how um how death come so quickly and unjustly, you know, like so quick. But then, like, all the people that you thought you didn't like or the reason why you didn't like them or, oh, you push this person aside because they're not popular or, oh, I don't like her hair or, um, she too dark-skinned. Now y'all hugging each other. Look at y'all. And I said, like, look at y'all. Look at us. It takes something like this for us to come together and realize that all that shit is so imaginary and that if I breathe like you, you know, then we deserve, we deserve to treat each other like, Kings and Queens. So that's something I really remember in high school. And I, I even wrote a poem about her and people listened to that. People heard that and it opened them up. It's something about speaking about the tragedy, uh, standing up and um, speaking it that alleviates the pain. If this survival of the bitches, then I'm pushing all of the Christians, burning lines between dark and light and pigment. If I'm an asshole, then who knows who Donald Trump is? It's a difference kind of between poetry and rap, so I kind of literally transitioned from poetry to rap music because of that third period lunch deal. And I started going to the studio and seeing like how different that is than saying a poem a cappella. At first I was rapping about stupid stuff. I was literally rapping about stuff that was not true about me. I was rapping about sex. I didn't really understand sex at the time. I was just saying stupid shit just to fit in. I feel like everybody do that at one point. But um, 
That's true though, when that did happen, and even a little bit before that happened, I started like talking about what was really going on with me. So I was doing that already with poetry, but then I would rap and say something stupid, like something like I, like I was Lil' Kim or something. I was envisioning like I was Trina or somebody like that instead of who I really am. And then I got serious about it. And then my transition from poetry to rap, like really rapping, I took what I was talking about in my poetry and I started putting it in my rap. And then I started calling myself like a conscious rapper. Like, I want to talk about something that has something to do with me. Like, if I could free myself through these rhymes, then that mean I could free other people. And that moment in time where that happened to Jade, that was a point when I realized that, dang, I could really have an effect on people. Like, even when I'm nervous and like afraid, just the audacity to get up and say how you feel is, uh, is, the love in itself, the power in itself. Now we're the South Side. Now we're the West Side. Kanye West, the glory. The glory, the glory. <laughs> because Kanye, <laughs> first off, I gotta put Kanye in here no matter what, okay? This is my look. I used to love Kanye so much. I mean, I still love him now. <laughs> but I used to love him so much that my Facebook name at one point was Kanye Freddy Father. I really thought, look, <laughs> I really thought this nigga was my father. I thought this man was my father because he, I, I feel like I could just relate to him on so many levels. And this song, The Glory, is my audacity to say whatever the fuck I want to say, how I say it, when I say it. It's the audacity to believe in myself regardless and know that I got the glory. Like these haters keep hurting themselves. They want to come and get the glory. They want to see why I'm here. You know, like even back to that poem I said that I did in high school, it was definitely inspired by this song because he was saying shit that people needed to hear, honestly, to gain the confidence in themselves. Like you ever got dressed one day and was like, okay, this is what I'm over at. And then your second thought was like, no, I might look stupid as fuck. Or to other people, or is this really what I should be wearing? Like that second thought is always damaging. I always remember that. That second thought is damaging, yo. <laughs> but um, this song gives me the strength to have the audacity to be different and actually make that shit trend. That's what I think about when I rhyme. I think about it like just in my lifestyle, like what I'm supposed to do now, man? The game all messed up. How I'm supposed to stand out when everybody get dressed up? Cause it's like, okay, we in this era in hip hop where everybody want to hear Future, everybody want to hear Drake, everybody want to looking for revenge. How about looking for peace, motherfucker? That's what I'm looking for. I ain't got time, you know? So how do I make, how do I make loving yourself um, and being a queen? How, I, I always think about this. How do I make that trend? How do I make that trend for people? And I, a lot of ego is packed into this song. A lot of ego. Like, he said, with my ego, I could stand in a Speedo and be looked at like a fucking hero. Now, 
either your ego is too fucking big and you really ahead of yourself like you really not the shit that you think you are <laughs> or your ego is too quiet and you kind of sleep on yourself or you got the right amount of like okay i have dignity i have self-awareness i know that if negative energy come to me and try to just like disposition me from you know who I think I am that I have enough ego to treat and embarrass the fuck out of them by once again having the audacity to be myself and I feel like you need that I feel like you don't need to shut your ego completely down I've been through stages where I've done that like when I was in college, I was damn near famous in college, basically just for music. And I was always doing like shows and fashion shows, like all kinds of things. Uh, and I, I ran the open mics there. I ran it and I uh, I had a part of the, uh, the cultural expressions, which was the poetry team. Like, I feel like I was a big contribution to that team. I think I inspired a lot of people, but um, yeah, I was just like really low with my ego and almost, I don't know if there's such thing as too humble. You think it's the such thing as just too humble? Like I was just quiet. Like I would say what I had to say on the mic, you know, like I would rap and I would have confidence there, but then it was just a stage. Everybody go through stages and then I would just be quiet about it. Why do I have to be quiet about it? I don't. And I'm seeing that more now, like, why do I have to be quiet when I know how beautiful I am? I know this now. It's being, it's, it's becoming more and more apparent to me as I get older. Just realizing that I have the glory. I got that. Like, I am glorious. <laughs> and that part of my ego that, that feeds me more positive thoughts about myself, like, I need that. In a sense, you should feel like you deserve something. Something, you know? Or else you ain't gonna get nothing. You ain't gonna get nothing out here. So that's why I chose this song, honestly. First, his style. Whew. Kanye so flea, not even on the just the external tip, because you know he got his whole fashion thing that he trying to do and incorporate. Just his mentality of just telling the truth, like getting up on stage and saying that, no, you don't need this award. This is gonna be like this shit is so outrageously raw to me. But I, I first heard Kanye, you know, song through the wire and in college, um, college dropout. And I didn't understand college dropout honestly until I actually became a, a college dropout. So now I understand what he was going through. Like I've been working these 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 crazy ass hours, this slave shift, and I ain't made shit. So that's when I heard him, but um, like he birthed me. He birthed a part of my my music. He birthed a part of uh, my lyricism. He made me fucking love samples. He made me go back in time to a time where music was just so soulful and liberating. He just put specs to that in all his music. And actually, like, Kanye's instrumentals, like, made me expect something out of my producer. Like, no, I want this kind of thing. You know, like, I want that 
That's so hot feel. That's the I feel like that's the reason why I want that 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 feel because he he kind of merged things together and then like ugh, this is so fucking cold. Yo. I never went to a Kanye concert. Never bought his Yeezy. None of that shit. That shit cost too much. <laughs> but I love him. And I love his song. I love I love his music. Well, basically, I went to um, Western Illinois. I got my associate's degree, and then I had like a 3.5 GPA. That was decent. That was the first time I had a decent GPA because I was high school. It was horrible. And then uh, after I got my associate's degree, I didn't want to go there no more. It was boring. It was dry as fuck. It was dry, and it was predominantly white. But that was not the problem. It was the racism that was the problem because you have a strip. You have a strip called Adam Street full of like white fraternities and all kinds of like big houses and they got every fucking thing and they they getting drunk they smoking they doing way more drugs than what we trying to do and i'm like why the police just drive right past them but look our fraternities and our sororities and stuff were in houses houses smaller than this where if we got together and had a party, it was a small space and it was so many people and you could barely fucking move, but then the police would come and always shut our shit down. And you would have white people driving around in their cars and they'll see one of us and be like, nigger, fuck you. I ain't no nigger with a ER looking ass. Like, ugh, it was just so petty. Um, anyway, I made the time beautiful because I reached a school in a, a very positive light with my words and my my actions but I left out of there with the intentions of going to Clark Atlanta University from being with like predominantly white I'm like yo I'm gonna go to an all-black school it's just, it's just an instant thought and then um I came back to Chicago right for the summer before I was to leave I got accepted and everything I came back to Chicago and the music scene literally wrapped me up and said, you stay in here. And then I met my girlfriend. <laughs> and then like all kinds of stuff. Like I was just really like, that, sum that summer in Chicago, I think it was 2014, that 2014 summer was so lit that I felt like all I needed was my art and I didn't have to go back to school to obtain that. Plus, if I'm gonna go to school, it's because I wanna be an anthropologist and I wanna like travel around the world and study different cultures and then like do what they do in their culture, just so I could continue to be open about like who everybody is. Cause it's not just about black or we, we're breathing, we're breathing. So I just wanna understand people, but that's the only reason I would go back to school. Other than that, I gotta get these rhymes because that's, that's actually my purpose. That's, I feel like that's what I'm here for. So just being in Chicago made me feel like I didn't need somebody to teach me how to be here I am. That's very true. When you had people like Brother Mike that actually gave birth to these ideas before that term Black Lives Matter even came out. We were really young in Chicago, but we were, we were being told to put our right fist up and say power to the people. So 
you have people like Vic Mensa that want to be in the forefront. The art, the art has helped that. And I, I really think it's because of our mentors. It's people like Kevin Cole that gave us YCA. Like, it's a safe space where we can say whatever we want to say. So when y'all killing us, we still have that feeling in us that we have to say what we want to say. You have a portion of Chicago that's like strictly drill and they actually into the negative effects of gangs. They're, they're into glamorizing the pain that we go through. I'm not about to deny that. We have a section of Chicago where people like to glamorize the pain that we go through. But then you also have another section. It's like it's almost split, you know, between drill and conscious. Then you have people on the on the conscious side that's like, yo, we want to like speak about what we're going through through music in Chicago. We're artsy, you know, like, and we do it in a creative way. So we talk about the same stuff, but we do it in a way that make you question if you should be even doing that shit. Not like glamorizing it, but I also understand that effect of it too, because it's like, what else am I supposed to rap about but what I know? And if that's your knowledge, if that's what you know, then you know that's music too. That's that's rap. That that's to be respected. I left my house this morning with the antenna returning. The last thing that I heard was the news of a murder that wasn't more than a couple blocks from where I rest my head, but I'm certain it was a stranger. That's how I detach myself from the situation. Yeah, I just I feel like that, that it does have a big thing to do with Black Lives Matter. Although I probably won't be at many protests. And so the way I feel about protests, and it's getting to, I have to say how I feel about it. Um, I feel like we can't ask the system to do something for us that they are absolutely incapable of doing. Their thought process is not to save lives. Their thought process is not to, to make everybody equal. They do not feel equal and they do not have the capacity, in my opinion, to understand the damage that they have truly done. It's, it's almost like, <laughs> like, how can you ask somebody for something that you have a natural born right to? How dare I ask you for my freedom? Like, I don't have a heartbeat. Like, I don't have a purpose here. So, like my homie Pharaoh Salam would say, I'm out the system. I'm out the system. You got to get out of it. And, but that only comes with knowledge. Knowledge of yourself. Knowledge of where you come from. So I feel like our duty is to literally figure that out. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm figuring out what would Freddie, what would Frederiana be doing if her ancestors were not enslaved? Who was my God? How did I dress? What were my beliefs? Did I have my baby in hospitals or did I have it underwater? Was I making my own way? Was I creating, like, we could do so much shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Why does hip hop matter? It gave us a certain kind of freedom. Uh, I don't know what hip hop would be without James Brown or, or any other um, funk music or the blues or field hollers. I don't know what hip hop would be without pain. So hip hop is very important because it 
Well, for me, it connects me to the most high. I didn't know God was real until I started rapping. Cause I was like, this couldn't possibly be me, yo. You can't tell me this shit is me. This some higher than me. It gotta be a God. And it, it freed my people. It did. It gave us a, a sense of knowing ourselves. Man, DJ Hurt, shout out to him. Shout out to New York. Shout out to it. <laughs> Man, I could go on, like, really paved the way for us. Yeah, for the day I die, I'ma touch the sky and I 